Hi, this is Brendan Davis from Bedrock Games and the Bedrock Blog, and I'm here with Adam Balderstone, and we're here to talk about Babylon 5 Season 4. We're going to do three episodes this time. We've been doing runs of about two to four episodes at a time, and now things are starting to get a little bit more blurry between the episodes as they feel less episodic and more story-driven. So we're going to give ourselves more fluidity and kind of talk about them as a whole, but the episodes we'll be covering are Episode 2, Whatever Happened to Mr. Garibaldi, Episode 3, The Summoning, and Episode 4, Falling Toward Apotheosis. So, uh, Adam, why don't you get us started on, on where things are and then we can talk about uh, it okay so uh with this uh whatever happened to mr garibaldi obviously one plot is jakar is continuing his search to figure out what happened to garibaldi and marcus joins them on his his uh mission there without without being invited which uh causes a little friction and uh on top of that we have uh sheridan uh, in his weird, not quite alive, not quite dead state, dealing with Lorian, and uh, also Delenn having to deal with uh, thinking Sheridan's dead is another uh, big aspect of this first episode. And uh, but yeah, the, that's kind of the, the starting point here to the, this this trilogy of episodes. So what did you think of this one? Um, I enjoyed this one. I mean, it's it's very hard to talk about liking specific episodes here I because know. I sort of I I mean I enjoyed it, but I knew it was part of a larger story, and so I'm kind of engaged in that larger story now. But I like this episode for a few reasons. I think my favorite part is actually the ending, um, when um, uh, I believe it's the ending. Again, uh, I should mention I started taking notes uh, in an <laughs> odd way, and I. I accidentally started typing under the wrong header for the episode, so I might have plot points from episodes confused, but I believe this episode ends with um, Jakar arriving on Centauri and uh, in chains as a gift to Londo. And I believe that is the ending, yeah. yeah. And, and, his, and his line is, do you know, I think he says the title of the episode or something like it, do you know what's happened to Garibaldi or something to that effect. Uh, yeah, and and the look on Cartagia's face—it's just like <laughs> who on earth is Mister Garibaldi? But it, it's such a—and I know I'm skipping ahead, and it's probably a little bit weird. But the reason I like it is th- that that seems to be the thing that wheels in Londo and 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 yeah. sort of you know what I mean? Like he said, that's the one thing he could say that was going to get Londo's interest immediately. Uh, I agree. It, yeah, was a, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, yeah, it, it is. Cause I mean, obviously Londo and uh, Garibaldi's former friendship, it, it gave, it gave kind of an opening for Londo to talk to him to an extent, even though they don't directly talk about that, but still it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting development. And, but yeah, I, uh, I, I really, uh, that, that, that's, that's a pretty powerful ending though. With Jakar coming in like that. And and I feel like uh, you know I guess we should talk about like, the reason why he ends up in chains is uh, he he goes looking for Mister Garibaldi and he ends up at that cantina type place which is really cool that that <laughs> that moment in the episode was great because it really expanded the world for me like and we've been talking about this a lot and and I've seen other people talk about this so this is far from an original thought but it's definitely true about this show where they 
they're able to paint pictures through dialogue of this really big world that they exist in. And then when they go to those places, it's so concrete. You know what I mean? Because you, you have mm-hmm. a sense of, you know the context of where they are. And when, they're, and, and when they go to the spaces in between, it just kind of broadens things. And so this was a great moment for Jakar as a character, I thought, just kind of having him on a mission. And this felt... This set of episodes really reminds me of Empire Strikes Back in a lot of ways because we're the characters are going to get to their lowest moments during during these these storylines that are emerging. And so Shakar goes looking for Garibaldi. Marcus shows up and helps him. And you know, Shakar really shouldn't have been doing what he's doing because he's the, you know, he's a wanted man. He's he's like the most wanted Narn in the universe. And yeah. uh, and they end up capturing him and sending him to Centauri in, in chains. And so, um, so I thought I thought that was a really compelling storyline because I think in a lot of shows what would have happened, Jakar would have gone to the cantina, Marcus would have helped him out, and Marcus would have saved him from his eventual capture. And he would they would have both gone back to Babylon Five. In this show, what happens is Marcus insists on staying and helping him, and Jakar is like, "No, I have to do this myself." And that decision costs him everything. And yeah. so I like that there was this crucial choice he made and it had this disastrous consequence. But it also, I think, was the thing that saved Mr. Garibaldi. So um, because I think he sent Marcus back to Babylon 5 because they needed Babylon's five That's resources. Right. It is, so, yeah. You know, yeah, in hindsight, they should have just both gone back to Babylon Five. But uh, <laughs> I know, <laughs> yeah, there was no need to cover the uh, the other angle. But but yeah, I really enjoyed having Jakar out investigating in this episode. It really, I remember the first time watching this show, and it, like you said, it really opened up the world. I always, I always, you know, I had mixed feelings when Jakar got captured because I was like. Oh, I wanted to see more of Jakar off running around having adventures. This is exciting. But I mean, obviously, that plotline is so powerful. I in no way feel yeah. like it's a disappointment at all now. But no, and I, I, and I was with you. I was like, I want to see way more. Like I was, I was up for like four or five episodes of Jakar, sort of just you know, you know, adventuring yeah. through space. I thought that was going to be awesome. Um, yeah. And that was part of what made it so heartbreaking when he ends up in chains, because you're like, you got this momentum that seems to be building with him in the cantina, and then it's just crushed, and he's 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 brought before like, you know, the buffoonish Cartagia, um, and and I don't know, it's 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 really it's like you said, it's it's very powerful. Um, in fact, yeah. you know, the scene, the scene when he uh, when when he's brought brought there in chains is very well done because it's it's at night and. Malari is awakened and told that he has to go see the emperor and it reminded again I'm gonna there's a lot of scenes that are just direct direct like references to I Claudius and this is one of them where he's awakened in the middle of the night and I Claudius he's awakened to go see the emperor perform a dance and drag basically and in this yes. one he's awakened and it's like well how can you top it off Jakar and Chain so I feel like I feel like it's it's using its references very well and and uh mm-hmm. And so it was just a very, very, very powerful moment when he when he arrives there. And then Jakar still has the force of will to ask about Mr. Garibaldi. Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was just uh, just an amazing, amazing episode there by the end. So, yeah, I. Uh, oh, get the, and, uh, 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it continues on to the next one, of course. With uh, well, do you have more to say about that? I, well, yeah, I, so, I wanted to talk about this. Probably gets us into the next episode, but the stuff with Lorian is, I think, really important. That's true. Because, yeah, I, can't, I so, guess we can't go skip that out. So Sheridan is stuck between tick and talk. He's, you know, the last time we saw him, he was plummeting to his death, apparently. And from what I gather, he's somehow not landed yet he's like between the moment of landing and not landing he's like trapped in his mind or i don't know exactly yeah. what's going on well, it's, it's kind of i think i you know i mean he is they're in a, they are in kind of a dream space because they do make the point of him kind of going down the tunnel and he ends up back where he started it's kind of kind of the, the cartoon you know you're repeating the scenery kind of thing so they they did it kind of highlight the unreality of where he was through that, I think. And so he, so that guy, I think he showed up last episode. Um, yes, uh, yeah. he does show up. Looks a little bit there. like the devil. Looks a little bit like the devil, in my opinion. He informs Sheridan that he's he's not just a first one. He's the first one. He's the mm-hmm. he's the very first. And so my immediate thought was, and I looked this up because I wanted an answer because I think this guy is the devil. Like this guy. Like you sound like Garibaldi. No, 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 no. Well, no. Okay, hold on. He said something very revealing to me. He said, Sheridan asks him his name, and he says, "Words have meaning, and names have power." Uh, you know. And then he says, yeah. "You know, if I told you my name was Lorian, what good would it?" And so, so we start calling him Lorian. He's never actually said his name is Lorian. He just said, "If I told you my name was Lorian," but the thing is, if some. If, you know, words have meaning and names have power. The only people who are worried about that are people who have something to hide. Do you know what I mean? And so what name could possibly have any power except for like Lucifer or something like that? Do you know what I mean? So, so I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he's got some other name that's got a lot of power and, you know, uh, but I don't think so. I think this guy's the devil. Now maybe the devil's not bad. Maybe that's the twist. But I think this guy is definitely Lucifer, um, and so, and so I looked it up, you know, because he says he's the first of the first ones, and I'm like, well, was, you know, because the, the first ones are basically angels and demons. So, I mean, that's that's essentially yeah. what what's going on here. Even if they're not yeah. literally angels and demons anymore, that's what the that's the mythology they're drawing on. Yeah. And so, I, I wanted to find out if Lucifer was the first demon or the first angel and i couldn't i couldn't find a solid answer on it but i still think it's like if there was a first you're probably going to go with lucifer do you know what i mean so mm-hmm. so i don't know I'm, I'm still thinking he's lucifer um but i'm very suspicious that i'm very very suspicious of this guy uh and so so yeah so that does bring us into the next one um but uh where uh well why don't you go on and sort of you know usher us in so we're not skipping sure. any details. Uh, well, I'll probably skip some details. <laughs> but, uh, the, <laughs> but yeah, this is the episode. The summoning is what the one where Garibaldi actually gets rescued. Uh, they they track down a ship that he was on board, and uh, he's jettisoned in it from a pod, and the ship blows up. Uh, and Jakar has the the rough plot in this where the Emperor is trying to get him to scream while he's being tortured and he refuses to and Londo is really trying well we i don't think we i mean we haven't really talked about it. yeah actually we have to talk about the fact that Londo, of course is trying to get jakar to work with him that's also this episode and uh they're, they're trying to cut a deal where uh 
Jakar will uh, help him kill the Emperor, and then Londo will uh, free the Narn if that happens. And uh, yeah, the other plot is Lita. Lita's increasing suspicion of Kosh comes to the point where she uh, actually tries scanning him with bad results. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what did you think of this episode? I have more notes for this episode than any other, so I think yeah, this was the strongest episode. <laughs> You'll notice. You'll notice. I, I was having trouble synopsizing this one. I'm just like. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think one important detail is that the arc with uh, Londo and Jakar all revolves around the Emperor wants Jakar to scream for him, and yeah. and all Londo wants is one little scream so they can, you know, so that the Emperor will be happy. And this is like a big deal for Jakar, and so Jakar's getting tortured the whole episode, basically. Um, yeah. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk about. I think the first and the most striking part of the episode for me was the part where uh, Londo and Jakar are talking in the cell. And that is just a really good moment between those characters. And basically Londo's like, look, you know, they're going to, he tells him, he tells him pretty frankly what they're going to do to him. And as I was watching that scene, I was sort of in the back of my head. I was like, well, is he being honest or is he lying so he can get what he wants from Jakar? But I think he was being honest. I think he was, uh, I think he was both very concerned about Cartagia and actually has some sympathy for Jakar in this situation. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, Jakar, you know, is, uh, you know, he basically says to Jakar, like, I wouldn't want this, like what they're going to do to you. I wouldn't even want like on my, on my worst enemy. This is just not giving me any pleasure at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I forget who he's talking to. He might actually be talking to Veer or was it, was he talking, but, you know, but, uh, saying, you know, well, uh, you know, at one time I would have want no, no, not even then. Yeah, it might have been not with Veer, you're then. right. It, it might have been with Veer. It might have been with Veer. Uh, but but he, he shows, there's like, he, I mean, again, it's all in the eyes and the interaction, but I feel like there was a yeah. lot of, and we, we've talked about this with Londo, where on, on a one-to-one basis he can be very empathetic, and uh, yes. which is probably why he's been successful. Uh but uh, but I think it's uh, I think it's an interesting character trait, and here you sort of see it on display. And and I don't know, they have an interesting. I know I feel like what's going to happen because they're almost forming alliance, where they're going to work together. And uh, Londo wants him to help assassinate Katarzia, and Jacquard demands is a price that he help him free the Narn, and Londo says he'll do it. And we know that Lo- that Jacquard is going to have a big beef with Londo by the end of the series. Um, so I suspect what's going to happen is Londo is going, even though Londo says you have my word, Londo is going to go back on his word and Shakar is not going to get his people freed or something hor- like something horrible does happen to Shakar by the end of these three episodes. But I don't think that's the thing that drives him to, to have that grudge with Londo that he has at the final scene. It just doesn't seem like the sort of thing yeah. that would push Shakar over the edge. So. No, and it's uh yeah, and I but that you're right about that scene with Londo and Jakar. It's just really powerful. I really like the part with uh, you know, Jakar saying, Oh, well, you don't understand what this means to me and Londo's like, I do, you know, it's just that was just a really, really powerful exchange between the two of them. It's uh, you know yeah, I, I it's it that's just a fantastic, fantastic thing there. And uh yeah, the whole the scene with the uh the emperor with the blood all over his hands, washing it in the bowl too. That was, 
that was pretty striking on television at the time. It's like you would, I don't, this wasn't something, you know, you would kind of, I mean, it's not like it was graphically violent or anything, but it's just, you you didn't see that kind of blood on, on TV much back in the days on, uh, you know, commercial TV. (laughs) No. And the, and the whole arc as it evolves where, um, there's a scene where they where where like Cartagena is the reason he has blood on his hands. He's getting really fed up because he feels like Jacar's refusal to to acknowledge the pain he's inflicting is yeah. is a challenge to his power over him and 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 is an, and is a challenge to his imperial title in a way. And so like he just doesn't like if he if he, I think he thinks if he doesn't get Jacar to scream, people might sense weakness. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's what he's what's going on in his head. And so. So he does. So he does this thing where they have pain technicians. Apparently, so they don't use the term torturer anymore. They call them pain technicians, and there's a whole dialogue around it. And in the '90s, I thought that was that 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 would have been kind of fun because that was around the time that you were hearing about occupations being relabeled to sound yeah. like they were more impressive than they really were. And uh, but but also, it sounded like maybe they deserve that title because they are very precise. They. Uh, there's a scene where he calls uh, Londo in again, and this time he's got he's got Jakar and he's giving him this like lash with like an electric whip or something. I forget what the weapon was called, but he basically says at 40 lashes it'll kill a Narn, which is an incredibly precise <laughs> measurement. Um, and so they do every single lash. They start counting. I didn't even notice this the first time. They go from they, he starts counting yeah. one all the way up to thirty nine. That is a long time on a TV show to just you know that's thirty nine seconds. Um, yeah, probably more it's because not... I don't think he was counting at the rate you know at a at a at a standard rhythm. Um, but but the but but basically he gets to thirty nine and then Jakar screams and that satisfies Cartagia and you know. That's sort of the end of the the Jakar storyline. That episode, I think. Um, yeah, such such a Jakar thing that it's like he was going to hold out. He was going to, you know, he and Londo are exchanging these looks, but Jakar's like, I'm not not doing it until the absolute time I have yeah. to. And, and then, uh, and then, um, so the other thing I, I want to talk about is normally I don't like this kind of sort of assessment or analysis. Of, of movies because I think people just do it like crazy all the time. Like, you know, it's like, you know, like they, they sort of read sexual things into things. But oh, in this yeah. one, there's a scene where Lita Alexander is, she's, she has that thing where like the, 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 the Vorlon sort of feeds energy into her and puts part of them into her basically. Like she's getting a part of their soul essentially to carry around. <laughs> and, and we see it with the new ambassador from, and, and he sort of rapidly, releases the energy and she kind of snaps out back out of it and she says this, this is the quote that she gives she says you didn't have to pull out so fast you hurt me while i was carrying you you felt cold hard and then she goes on to say it isn't like kosh he cared about us but with yeah. you it's like i'm being used and thrown away so there's not only like a sexual metaphor here there's like i'm almost wondering if she was in love with kosh like if they had a relationship that was romantic is as romantic as a human in a Vorlon can, can be. Yeah, but, no, I got the same feeling. That's a really, a really dark scene there. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really, Lita, Lita just has a really, really pretty rough storyline going through this early part of the, uh, the season. It's, uh, because yeah, I could say I, there, there was something, you know, I mean, 
you know, her connection to Kosh was, was really powerful last season, you know, and it's, uh, but her, I find her storyline the most fascinating because it's almost like she's embodying the trajectory of the show. Like the thing that was cool about her when she came back was that she was, so she sort of went to the Vorlons and she touched them. Do you know what I mean? Like she was able to communicate with them and they transformed her and she had this special connection and we and and throughout all the early seasons you sort of picture the Vorlon as these higher beings that are more advanced and benevolent and now we're seeing a darker side and she's sort of and so although she was so optimistic and hopeful and now it's like it's like seeing somebody who's like a true believer and then suddenly they realize oh no like something's not right with with the faith or something. It's just, it was just like a real, I don't know how, I just found it to be a very, I, I think it's one of the most interesting stories in the show so far. Um, yeah. And she's, and yeah. she's not like a main character, but she's an important character. So, um, you know, get it, get it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Me. Go ahead. I was pretty much. It. Yeah, no, I just, I just, my thoughts kind of flew off thinking about, you know, the, the Vorlons and where they are now and everything. And it's, it's it's interesting thinking about you know there was the whole choice of you know whether whether Sheridan should go to Zaha Doom or not, and so it's like you know he kind of puts in your head there's this alternate version where he doesn't go to Zaha Doom, yeah. and I feel like you know it's pure speculation because it's not like the show will ever answer, but it's like I feel like you know if he had not gone to Zaha Doom at that point they had so much momentum you know it's like they had the fleet built up. They, you know, and and so on. And it feels like they might have actually been able to beat the shadows, you know, in a conventional actual war at that point. You know, they had their psychics lined up. They had the fleet lined up. And it's like it would have been like a total victory against the shadows, but it would have created this universe where the Vorlons actually did control everything. So which, which seems scary now, the more you know about the Vorlons. True, but at the same time, what they were offering was peace and stability, right? That was sort of the promise of the Vorlons. And so I'm wondering, yeah. I'm what? Okay, so this is why I don't trust Lorian because I feel like so uh, Sheridan comes back by the end of the episode, and and he basically says, "Look, I, I think I have this right, unless my notes are confused." He basically says, "We can do this, and we can we can do it. We we can we can." fight this war and not just end this for now or a thousand years but forever like basically yeah. what he's saying is we the situation is that the the vorlons and the uh and the shadows are these really ancient first one races that stayed behind in order to shepherd uh the other younger intelligent races that were you know spreading throughout the galaxy and stuff and so the vorlons represent law and order and and peace and and the shadows represent sort of like conflict and 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 you know violence and, and all that stuff. And and the shadows believe that their way produces more advancements, and the Vorlons believe that their way is better. And at some point, we're told they you know this is what Sheridan says at least that they uh, you know they started fighting because they thought that their way was better. And so you mm-hmm. know that's sort of what's going on. But I'm wondering, like, maybe, I mean, I don't know. Peace and stability doesn't sound too bad to me. So, like, so <laughs> so I'm kind of wondering, you know, is, is Lorian like this? Is this like a Garden of Eden situation? Are we being given something that is, 
Like, like, because what Sheridan is offering when he returns is, you know, humanity in the sense, like, I mean, these are alien races, but, but I'm using humanity broadly to speak of all the intelligent species in the, in the setting. Humanity yeah. is seizing control of its own destiny, and it isn't reliant on it. he's saying we don't have to be reliant on the vorlons or the shadows anymore we're sort of, I, I think that's what he's saying like we're going to throw off yeah. the chains of and so you know it's kind of like eating the apple do you know what i mean it's it it's, is and oh so, yeah it's not it's not like it's an automatically a happy thing you know it's like oh but yeah it's it's complicated i it, yeah whichever whichever path you go down there's there's kind of good and bad things because i mean but I mean, the situation you know we've gotten to now in the show. I mean, you know, is is you know if the if the if the the Vorlons are going to go around and destroy every planet touched by the shadows, it's uh, <laughs> you know that's that's a pretty untenable situation for humanity. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. So so what ends up happening, which I totally glossed over in my my big speech there. Is like you said, the, the Vorlons start using Death Star weapons on yeah. on on planets with millions of people on them, and the and and basically because the they're worried about the shadows having any influence, and so if any place they like, I think they want to stop the shadows from planting their ships the way that they did the first time, so they're mm-hmm. just cleaning house. If anybody was dealing with the shadows in a positive way, they're gone, and I guess that means Earth is like one of the primary targets, probably. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It puts the whole, you know, I think revelations over these episodes and the previous batch of episodes too, that it's, it it is really interesting that, you know, the Vorlons actually created the uh, psychic genes amongst a bunch of the races, you know, like humans and so on, which, which makes the whole twist to the shadows kind of turning psychor to their purposes, a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a nice play that, you know, the shadows managed to turn the Vorlon move against them. Well, and, uh, and, uh, no, exactly. Exactly. And I, I don't know. I think, uh, the, but this episode, I, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I was, uh, yeah. as you can see, I had a lot of thoughts on it. I, I mean, I'm all over the map, but I was, I was really engaged. There was some other stuff in here that was easy to overlook. This is where Marcus says he's a virgin. I, I, I had my, oh, I had my yeah, episodes mixed yeah. up. But I thought that was an important scene between him and Ivanova uh, where, you know, he's basically saying he's basically talking about how he loves her, but he's talking about it as if it's somebody else. And and, and I'm realizing, like, Marcus is a total nerd, like not in a bad way, oh, like yeah. in a good way. He's like he's never really had like a, a girlfriend, I think. He's never really he's never he's a virgin. He's 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 a very innocent guy. And you wouldn't have thought that. I, I thought of him as sort of a dashing Robin Hood type character. You know what I mean? So I figured this is a guy who's been around. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's loved many women, obviously. And no, like he hasn't. And that's more interesting. Like it's more interesting him being, him being uh, so innocent and Ivanova being so much more, you yeah. know, experienced than him. And I don't know if they're even going to have a love story. Like, you know, cause I mean, obviously she had a, uh, a, a, a love storyline with, um, uh, well, I can't remember the name of the character now. Talia. Talia. Yeah. And so I don't know how that complicates any potential love story with him. 
But uh, but if they do, yeah, she also in season one had her old boyfriend show up, who turned out to be home guard, and so it's like I, I think she's feeling pretty burned at the moment. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I don't, I, 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 she doesn't seem to be looking for romance. Do you know what I mean? No. The way that Marcus is here, but um, but I suppose if anybody can win her over, Marcus is probably the ideal candidate because he he's so pure. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um. But, yeah, he's very earnest. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's that is one thing I like about Marcus. Like you say, I mean, he is just such a he's he's a nerd playing the dashing hero he yeah. wants to be. And so there's just these kind of layers going on there with that. And uh, yeah, I, I can remember there was kind of he, he was one of those figures that was kind of people had controversial opinions on well, differing opinions, not controversial. And that's like, I think, I think I, I kind of get the feeling some people in the fan base just, you know, are uncomfortable having this character be kind of a nerd. You know, some people will like accept it and like, Oh yeah, he's a nerd. Like we are the ones who are like, Oh, we don't want him to be a, a nerd. <laughs> it's ruining the show. Well, Cause we even so. found out last episode when he's talking to Jakar, he's like, I, you're like the first friend I've really had pretty much. Like that's like, it doesn't yeah. sound like he's even had many friends. And I, I don't know. I, I think that's uh you know, I grew up a nerd. So I kind of, I kind of know where Marcus is coming from. And I, 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 I get, I get there is the thing where you don't want like the, you know, it's science fiction and science fiction writers tend to be on the nerdy side. And so when they insert the nerd characters, the hero, it can feel weird, but this <laughs> feels, risky. this feels sincere. I think Marcus is a sincere character. So he's winning me over and he's probably the character that I was most ill disposed to when I first saw him because he felt so out of place and he felt, mm-hmm. he felt like Robin Hood to me. He just felt like a weird character, but now it's like, I can sort of see, Oh, he's, that's kind of a mask. Like there's, there's a lot yeah. more to him. Um, so that the the nerd the nerd angle is kind of and not nerd in the sense of a bookish guy, but just in sort of he's sort of socially awkward, I think, and that's kind of uh, it's kind of working for me. Um, and there's also yeah. this, this thing with Garibaldi too, which is getting really dark. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> Garibaldi. Uh, I don't know what they were doing with his makeup. Like number one, we find out he's on some weird ship, which I don't remember the details, so I don't know if there were giveaways of who it was supposed to be that i missed but he's on some weird ship and they're like do you remember what happened after you were taken from babylon 5 and he starts screaming at them and then they gas him and he falls asleep and i was trying to tell if that guy's voice was morden but it didn't really sound like morden but then a guy mm-hmm. shows up in a suit and says, i don't know so i and and morden's on centauri prime anyway so yeah i don't think I, don't, I don't think it's morden so then I was like, well, is it Bester? But I was like, that doesn't really sound like Bester, but I don't know. So, but anyways, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, God, Zach. Zach goes and, and, and rescues him. And yeah. when he goes there, they like fire like a couple of minor blasts and the thing jettisons a life pod and then the thing just explodes. And yeah. you can tell Zach is like, that shouldn't be happening. And the guy's like, oh, no, we probably just hit some essential systems. And Zach's still kind of like, I don't know. That, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and so they bring Mr. Garibaldi back. But before they do, you see this scene where he's in like cellophane wrap. And this yeah. light washes over him and says, begin program. And you're just like, that can't be good. Um, no. So something's going on with Garibaldi. So all I'm thinking is maybe Psychor is doing something to him or maybe the Vorlons or I don't know. I, I have no idea. It could have been the shadows, but that seems too obvious to be the, to be the cause. So 
I'm thinking maybe they're turning him into a shadow agent. I mean, not a shadow agent, a, a, a Psycor agent of some kind. But but I don't know, because I don't think he has any latent powers. So mm-hmm. who knows? Something's going on with him, though. Because when he gets back, he's got the same sort of deal that Malari had when he went evil, where there's something purple and black about the way that he looks to me. Like, there's something dark about the way he's being shot. And I know something's not right. And, yeah. uh and, uh, you know, he's, just, he's just particularly angry, too, in yeah. a way that he usually isn't. And, yeah, he's uh, angry, and he's very suspicious. And he has every right to be suspicious of Lorian. Like, I would be suspicious of Lorian, too, but I don't... You are suspicious of Lorian. I, I am suspicious of Lorian. <laughs> I, I don't trust him. And, uh, and, and I feel like, you know, I feel like Garibaldi should be suspicious of him, but he's just taking... But it's becoming, like, a toxic sort of suspicion where he's... Mm-hmm. Uh, where he's becoming distrustful of everybody, and and that's sort of what is the the problem with his character there. So so it's, I don't know. So, um, it's interesting if it is programming. If he is being programmed, it's it's clever that he's being programmed where it's an inch different than normal Garibaldi. Yeah. You know, it's like it's not like hey, we're giving him a new personality. It's like okay, let's just push. And, Give him a push. And for all I know, it could be a red herring because we're maybe supposed to be watching Sheridan and think something's up with Sheridan. And they're just like, you know, yeah. swapping it so that I'm focused on Garibaldi. And then I'm thinking, ah, oh, Sheridan's OK. And, you know, because 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 I will say this, Sheridan orders a complete like medical scan of Garibaldi in this yeah. episode. I don't think Sheridan ordered one for himself, did he? I don't think we see him getting or or do It's it. ambiguous. He comes in and goes, "Hey, do you have those those medical results for me?" Or oh, I forget what he says. It's something that it's something that suggested to me they weren't Garibaldi. It's like mm. it, you know, it's it's like he walks into the room right after Garibaldi leaves the med lab and and checks over some results. But uh but yeah, you know, you bring up, you know, is it, is it a diversion? It's like, you know, Garibaldi even brings that up himself. He's like, how come nobody's asking Sheridan how he is? He he was dead and he comes back and everyone's just, oh, it's fine. I mean, that's something, they should be, that's a suspicious thing. I, I think, you know, anytime somebody like comes back like that, you got to be worried. So uh, especially after Anna came back, you know, just, you know, not even four episodes ago and then turned out to be a complete plant from the shadows. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, so, but either way, it's very interesting because I don't know what to think. Like they've done, they've, they've done yeah. their due diligence to sort of make me be like, well, it, I don't, something's going on with Garibaldi, but there's still this thing with Sheridan. And so I don't know. Uh, where everybody stands in terms of whether they've been programmed by the shadows or the psychor or whoever, so it's uh, it's it's a very difficult sort of mess to kind of figure out at this point, and and I think that's good. I think that's very good. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I but but it was overall it was it was a it was a that was a really well done episode in my opinion, and um, and yeah, I guess I guess that does bring us to the next episode, which we've already kind of touched on which is falling toward apotheosis yeah oh and i should say that sheridan comes back this episode i don't know if i mentioned that he came back in the last episode but uh he comes back at a very crucial moment uh, that's true yeah it's like there's so many threads going on here the whole thing about the uh you know other races trying to trying to scuttle the lens attack that uh and then sheridan showing up but uh yeah i mean that that was uh 
Well, we, we didn't talk about that. We talked about his speech. We didn't talk about what was going on when he made the speech. Yeah. But we did talk about his speech. I thought it was well done. It was very sort of convenient in terms of drama, but it worked. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was, uh-huh. you know, it was one of those scenes where they, they really edited it together well. And it just kind of, it just kind of perfectly. Uh, in fact, there was a very good moment during that where uh, a ship arrives and obviously it has Sheridan on it. And Garibaldi's the first one to go and see it. And you don't actually see Sheridan. You just see Garibaldi and his, his exact words are, well, I'll be damned. And so <laughs> that's another thing that kind of got me thinking, okay, like what's going on with Mr. Garibaldi? Like it just seems like a very sort of odd, you know. Uh, it just, I, it just <laughs> seems like the sort of thing a writer would do to indicate that that somebody's about to fall. Um, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, but but anyways, speaking of falling, falling yeah. towards apotheosis yeah. is the next episode. The segue. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the big event in this one is this is the episode where they need to deal with the Vorlon ambassador. Like, we're going to fight the Vorlons. We can't we can't have a Vorlon hanging around on the ship. we got to deal with them. And, uh, and, of course, Sheridan explains that's why he hasn't been talking to Garibaldi, because he can't, you know, he's going to use Garibaldi, and he can't have Garibaldi knowing. So... But yeah, it's it's interesting. It is interesting in this that that Sheridan is so willing to put Garibaldi at risk in this episode because it's like Sheridan is very much up to this point been the guy that if there's going to be some risk, he's going to be the guy that goes in and does the risky job. That was cold. That was cold what he did with Garibaldi. That was like yeah. that was like a gangster move in my opinion. Like I I was I was uh I wasn't sure what to think of that, to be honest, because yeah. <laughs> uh, so so yeah. So the situation is they they're basically gonna they're gonna kill. Uh, what what's what 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 do they call the new Kosh guy? The uh, 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 I forget the name from the books, but uh, they just keep. Notice they just started calling him the Vorlon. Yeah, that's so what they've been calling so the, him. The call new him Vorlon the ambassador. They're gonna kill him, and I mean that itself is also because I was thinking about that. That's like. Uh, once you do that, like you're, you know, yeah. you're at war. No and down. they established last episode that the Vorlons have like thousands of ships that they've been using. So they have this massive fleet. Um, and so, <laughs> so yeah, so, the, so, so he decides what he's going to do is he's going to trick the Vorlon and he's going to, he's going to send Garibaldi and his crew to take him off the ship, knowing that they can't do it so that the Vorlon thinks that they're not a threat. So basically, he wants the Vorlon to attack them. They're going to run away or whatever they do. He does actually. I don't even think he's thought ahead that far. I think he, it's oh. almost like he's just like you go up there and you fail. Like you know, yeah, work out the details yourself. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I mean, that's pretty cold, and I I don't know why Sheridan's just acting that way. That, that's sort of I don't know. It's like a it's a weird maneuver to do to somebody as 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 loyal as Garibaldi has been to the enterprise this 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 far along um and and so so garibaldi but but here's the thing garibaldi does what he's told and he and and he ends up retreating and he i don't think he loses any men did any of his men die in that attack or i don't think so i don't think anyone died no because i don't think the vorlon really wanted to kill anybody i think he just wanted to get them out and he just saw them as ants like he didn't really seem to fear them (laughs) wasn't wasn't worth his trouble and then Lita shows up and is like, "Hey, you know, like, uh, uh, 
I think you need to go and see this because I think one of these humans has caution him. And, you know, it's a really sort of obvious uh, um, deception. Yeah. But, but, but she tricks him and he ends up going at least most of the way. And then uh, he, she gets her, you know, at certain point she starts to get worried and the Vorlon, uh, you know, reads it. And, and then everybody attacks the Vorlon and they eventually knock him out of his shell and he becomes an illuminous being. And, and then... Uh, Sheridan releases Kosh and yeah. Kosh's sort of spirit form and this thing's spirit form fight and then I think they get destroyed in the Yeah. Apparently part of Lorian was in there too. But uh Yeah, yeah. That, but yeah, I yeah, that was a a pretty good scene. The one thing that didn't quite work for me was like, you know, the lens involvement in it where she's peeking around yeah. the door and then, then Sheridan has to jump out to try and save her. It's, you know, it was like, why, why is she there peeking around the door? That, that, that bothered me too. I was like, why is she there? They do that a lot in the show where a character who really shouldn't be there shows up. <laughs> and I feel like it's not a good tactical move to, to have Delenn just hanging out when you're doing this. ambo. like, that seems like you would have her somewhere. Now maybe they maybe there was a whole thing where there's like, hey, stay over here while we do this. Well, and it's, she... it's just, it felt like some kind of like industrial part of the ship where you know it's like, why would she even be close? Because it almost felt like she. I mean, it almost felt like she kind of walked around the corner and was like, hey, what's going on yeah, here? And yeah. she peeks around and it's like, I don't know it, that 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 felt very controlled. And it didn't even add up to much because it's like, okay, well. Yeah, then Sheridan has to jump in the way, which means he gets caught kind of by the Vorlon energy, but then he releases Kosh, but well, it I didn't like feel like it was the plan necessary. anyways. They wanted him to Exactly. So yeah, I, I, I agree. It was it, it wasn't necessary. I, I don't know if it and I like all the stuff they've been doing with the Lennon Sheridan, but that moment seemed a little bit odd. Um, yeah. and uh and yeah, so uh, yeah, I still don't know what to think of Lorian. I'm I'm not trying I don't his name is not Lorian. That guy, that is not his name. He never said I am Lorian. He said if I told you my name was Lorian, so I'm, I'm gonna go with uh, that guy is what I'm gonna call that him. For guy. That okay. guy, okay, that he's, guy probably that. Lucifer is what I'm gonna go with. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and yeah, so but again, this was a good episode. It was a necessary episode, but um, it kind of feels like it's just getting us to the next beat in the story. So. Um, uh, and another thing, another thing that happened this episode is Shakar loses his eye. Um, uh, yeah, you know, which is yeah. really important. Well, um, that that yeah, that's notable. And of course, this is also the episode too where Londo talks uh, Cartagia into going to Narn too mm-hmm. to uh, establish his greatness to the Narn before he uh, he ascends to godhood. So yeah, because the whole thing that we learn is that the Narn are not the Narn the uh, the the. the the Centauri are basically caught in between the shadows and the and the Vorlons, and the shadows are asking for the the Centauri to send out their ships and and defend and 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 Jaca- uh, yeah, Jaca- Londo's like that's crazy. A lot on that. That, that, yeah, that's crazy. I, why should we do that? And he goes to talk to Cartagia, and Cartagia's like, "Oh, don't worry, I'm not gonna do that." And you can see Londo breathing a sigh of relief, and then yeah. and then and then Cartagia's like, "No, I'm just gonna let it burn. Like, and then that'll be like, I'll become a god, and it'll all be great." And you see, like, how insane this guy really is. And so, and again, it's like right out of I Claudius. It's that sort of like you know. Yeah, it's it's really working what he's doing. Um, But yeah, so there's that. So there's that whole thing. And so the reason why Londo 
in this episode is persuading him to go to Narn is he number one I think Londo wants to get the heck away from Centauri Prime knowing <laughs> what's going to happen but number two he wants to get rid of uh, Cartagia very fast uh, um, yeah. the sooner the yeah. better um, but of course I already know that Londo is going to end up with that weird thing on his shoulder in the future and the only mm-hmm. people I can imagine putting that there are the shadows unless there's something that we don't know about um so maybe maybe Lorian, I don't know, maybe 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 uh who knows. Um every bad thing that happens in the future goes back to Lorian. That's <laughs> that's a safe assumption. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it's there's no there's, there's just a lot going on in these episodes. Like I said, it's been been kind of a jumble because they all all blur together. But yeah, it's it's it is all coming very quickly to a head right now. And I, I told you too, this is a fast moving season because yeah. they were they were racing against potential cancellation at this point. Well so. but it's working. I think the pacing is it fine. Is. Because what you often see with shows that do this where they do try to do like, cause this ep- this season is kind of moving story along. And a lot of times when shows do that they move story along but they move it so slowly that I just get bored. Like I can't, I, I've stopped watching game of Thrones cause I got bored. I've stopped, mm-hmm. I've stopped watching walking dead cause I was just tired of waiting for things to happen. There are a lot of shows that I just, I don't, I don't have the time to sit through 30 episodes while they get to where they're going. And, yeah. uh, um, if it's not interesting along the way, do you know what I mean? Cause I'll happily watch a 50 episode wuxia series if it's fun, but I, and so what's enjoyable here is the pacing and, the fun of each episode like 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 i said this is a this is kind of sort of uh it does feel like an in-between episode to me in terms of i know that there's bigger stuff coming down the road but there was a mm-hmm. lot of engaging material in this episode that was holding my interest and so the whole thing with um cartage there was i mean there are so many uh was there wasn't there something about a guy having a cough in this episode that uh yeah and so and that's right out <laughs> of i claudius and i claudius uh, one you know, Caligula is getting really troubled by, uh, by someone's by a young. There's a there's a young boy in the show who's part of the 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 family, and he's coughing, and it's driving Caligula crazy. So he eventually has him killed. He I think he slits his throat or something, and I'm pretty sure that worked out the same way in this episode, if I remember. Um, yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. I like the nice touch of Londo having a cover his nose while he was in there too just to make sure that you're aware that these these are stinking decomposing heads in there that was a, a little little touch that worked for me yeah but it's there's it's just a, you know it's a very uh um and the stuff that was all happening on babylon 5 was all very sort of action focused and, and and engaging you know what i mean like mm-hmm. you're just sort of on your on the edge of your seat as they're is they're 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 killing a vorlon that's like that, yeah that, so that's a huge deal in the show and so uh, you know, I didn't think they were going to pull it off. Uh, you know, I it, it that seemed like an insurmountable hurdle to me. And now it's yeah. like, well, what's going on? What's going to happen with Lita? Because, I mean, she just, you know, that's going to be a pretty bad thing to do as far as the Vorlons are concerned. So Yeah, well, she's she's already a, a non-person with Earth. And uh, now she's burned her bridges with the Vorlons. But they so modified she's... her. They made her yeah. telepathically augmented so she could carry a Vorlon. I would imagine that also makes her more susceptible to Vorlon 
effects and so you know what i mean like i don't know oh, i just that's uh, an interesting yeah. thought yeah um, and uh but yeah it, i mean well of course as they pointed out all humans have been modified to be more susceptible to uh four lines which is why they all see angels yeah. so <laughs> yeah i mean that was that was another nice thing about this episode we actually got to see a vorlon as opposed to the the angel projection we just got to see the weird energy blob thing with tentacles coming out of it but <laughs> which was still pretty angelic i thought you know is it, 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 it was yeah it was, it was luminous uh, i will go with that but uh, but yeah it it, it so this, I, I'm I'm really liking this season so far. I don't have any complaints at all, um, and I and I really think I, I again we were talking leading up to this like how one of the cool things about the show is how open it is to religion in a way like in a way that a lot of science fiction shows aren't. It just kind yeah. of incorporates real world religion, and you know, and, and they don't make up fake religions. And something about that makes it a little bit more easier to wrap your head around some of the stuff that's going on, yeah. and. And I think it's also cool that a lot of the show seems to be tapping into real world religious mythology, um, but it's doing it in a way where like I clearly don't know what's actually going to happen. But I, but it's it's like when they want my suspicions raised, they tap into the right zone to do it. Do you know what I mean? So I yeah. feel like this it's really effectively using myth and legend and 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 religion and. And I think that's why it's so easy to be forgiving of the show when it sort of just goes full tilt into like King Arthur territory, you know. And I'm liking it. I I I love that. This is a show that has. There's so many. It, this show covers a lot of ground. Um, and uh, and and so, yeah, you know. And, and now this season, it's becoming less episodic, um, and feeling more like a story. But I feel like it's done in the right way because they have a whole they have three seasons of episodic TV that they've built up where yeah. where where you got to know all the characters and you got to see them in sort of like regular episodes. And now they're sort of shifting gears into that more story driven structure. Something about that works way more for me than the way it's done now, where you just kind of get story structure the whole way through and it just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like this. Yeah. this feels like the story structure is working because I've had the time to buy into all this stuff that I need to sort of establish in order. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Well, it's also because there's an end point too. It's like with these, with a lot of these, just like you say, walking dead and game. Well, in game of Thrones has an end point, but they really stretched it. But, uh, but walking dead, it's like that story just goes on and on and on and yeah. on with this, this we're getting, we're getting, you know, season four is the only season that's really done in that style of being. It's one big kind of story kind of flowing through the whole season that, that you kind of deal with. And it, it goes it goes kind of back to more episodic in, in, in five. So, you know, having 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 had the, the, the build up ahead of time, and having a set end point means it's not it, it, it all fits. It's, it's yeah. got a structure to it. And it's still fun too. It still has its fun moments. Like they're getting serious sure. now. Things are very dire, but like it still has. Op there's still moments for levity and fun, and and just exciting things. You know, like the cantina scene, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know the the Pike envy dialogue. You know, stuff like <laughs> yes. the, yes. the, 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 I feel like that's again. I know. I know a lot of what I've been saying over the course of this show is how much I'm tired of what i'm watching on television now and how this is reminding me of that but i i 
I feel like to me that's like a revelation because I haven't really, uh, you know, if you asked me before what's the problem with TV, I would say, oh, the problem is everything sort of all sort of like story and there's never individual episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you go back to Babylon Five and this is becoming all story, but it's working somehow. So it's it's not the story that's the problem. It's and ba- so Babylon Five is kind of giving me a good blueprint for what I think maybe shows should be doing more. Um, yeah, and some shows do. I mean, Breaking Bad pulled it off. I mean, yeah. that that was that was all story, and I mean, it it nailed it. It it got it right. And, yeah, and uh, I liked Breaking Bad. I saw I, I saw that for the first time actually a couple of years ago, and I I, I just binge watched it, um, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. Um, but but again, I think that show also had fewer episodes. Um, sure. Than a lot of the shows out now. I don't know. For me, the, the the poster child for what I don't want anymore is Walking Dead. That is the sort of that is. The, I just got so tired of those kinds of shows, um, and Game of Thrones to a lesser extent. But you know, just that kind of TV. It just it just started really weird. I felt like an obligation rather than uh, an you know thing of joy. And that's what I'm getting yeah. with Babylon Five. I'm getting this sort of joyful experience of hey, I really want to know. I'm like excited to watch each episode. And and that's a you know, that's a good feeling with 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 uh with a show like this, so so uh, so yeah. yeah so it's 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 definitely working for me and I I can sort of see, uh, you know just the way the show's evolving over time and how it uh, a friend of mine I was I uh, who also watched this show or watched the show and liked it I talked to and he was saying the thing he liked about it was it felt kind of more like a book than a TV show and I think that's true but I feel like they also get enough of the TV show stuff in there that it yeah. balances out. Yeah, exactly. If, if it was, yeah, if it was just trying to be a book, it wouldn't it wouldn't work as well. But uh, you know, it, it is very much a TV show of the time in a lot of ways, and that that's that's what holds it together. But so, yeah, so yeah, so but we've been going on for fifty minutes on this. So I mean, clearly there's no shortage of things to say on these episodes. Um, and I'm really, I'm really looking forward to episode five because I want to see what happens on Narn. Um, I don't know if that's going to, who knows? We might get like a couple of episode breaks like they used to do where something big's going to happen. So they just go to Babylon five for two episodes. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The show I'm, is pretty good. And I, and I thought once again, I'm talking about how I, that's the thing I like about the show. They're willing to let a thread go for a few episodes rather than checking in with everything, every episode. But yeah. Cause then when you get there, it also creates that sense of time and distance that you sometimes need between events. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, th- I think it works, but yeah, so I am super excited to, to continue with this and I am going to, have to procure season five soon so that I can uh, <laughs> I can make sure that I'm uh, that I don't skip a beat when we get to the end. Um, but but yeah, so we'll be back on. Uh, uh, we're going to talk after the podcast and figure that out. But we'll be back on again with another Babylon Five this Friday. We're going to be doing for the Wuxia, uh movie Reign of Assassins, which is incredible now unfortunately this is one that is not streaming for free on prime you can rent it there and you can probably get it at like itunes and other places i if you do put money on it i recommend getting the dvd personally i have the dvd and i 
very happy with it. Um, and I'll talk about some of the differences between the DVD and the what's available on Prime during the episode. But I would I would recommend if you if you can check out the film before the podcast. This is one where I'm confident that this is a very good recommendation uh, for a wuxia movie. It's one of the one of the few really really good wuxia movies to come out in recent years. There, there's kind of been a poverty of them, and and this one is is just in terms of quality is really high up there in my opinion and and uh, uh i i did a review of it on the youtube channel which you can check out but um uh but i'm looking forward to talking about that and we'll also be back on uh with some other things and we and i would uh, we did another a new segment the other day that i'd point people to called game lab where we talk about uh sort of we talk about an idea in gaming and then we try it out and then we talk about it. So, uh, I think this week was, uh, using mouse traps as dungeons and sort of the problems of live streaming. And so we, we get into that topic and, uh, and we'll be on again, I think in about a month with another topic. So, all right. Uh, we'll be back on and until then I'll talk to you.